careful now. Boing. So cool to be playing vinyl. Vinyl. Took the record off the turntable. You ready for this? Welcome to Behind the Vinyl. Here's your host, Stu Jeffries. Welcome to another opportunity to educate yourself on the music you hear all the time, but lack the little details about how the songs came to be. In this episode, three more stars drop the needle on one of their biggest hits and tell us a story or two about it. Former lead singer of Foreigner, Lou Graham, talks about Midnight Blue and where some of the lyrical inspiration stem from. I remember what my father said. He said, son, life is simple. It's either cherry red or it's midnight blue. And, and that, that powered us into the chorus. Before we get to Lou, Brian Potvin and Don Schmidt of the Northern Pikes are big fans of simplicity, especially when it comes to music and creating a song that has some staying power. Here they talk simply about their song, She Ain't Pretty. This is so cool. I don't, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, Dee. I didn't even know, I didn't know that it was the vinyl of this album. <laughs> <laughs> I, seriously, right. I was under this impression that, 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 that this was going to be the first domestic release for Virgin in Canada. On CD only? That was CD and tape only, that they were not going to do vinyl. And this is kind of weird that this actually exists. I really want one. And you have several copies. I do have a few. You're packing. I'm packing. Yeah. I do recall, Brian, that you actually didn't want to play us this song when you wrote it. No. I, you know, it's interesting with, with, with the Pikes because I feel like two of the real important songs in, in, our, in our career, this one and Money, were songs that both the writers, Jay and I, thought were a little too outside or like didn't fit into what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And um, so... But Sheen Pretty, wouldn't you say, is probably the closest song that we demoed to the final version? Oh, like God, it's yeah. almost identical. Yeah, yeah. It's almost identical. Yeah. No, that was... I, I feel like when I wrote it, I, I wrote it very economically, you know? just. There was, yeah, there was just there was no room for for you know. I had to tell this story in a real concise amount of time, and it was just all about cutting fat. The whole thing it was just trim, trim, trim. I do recall the first time we played it live was before we actually recorded it for this album in Calgary in the summer of '89. And by the second chorus, the audience sang back, "Shame, pretty, she just looks that way." We had never had a song <laughs> that ever had done that before, so we kind of knew that okay this has something special about it. I also remember when we picked up Stan Celeste, the late Stan Celeste, um, who played piano on the song, um, played with the band, um, and I picked him up, or a few of us picked him up at the train station in Kingston, New York, and it was late at night and we thought for sure he'd want to go to bed and get up and we'll start in the morning, and he said, it's a full moon, boys, let's rock. So yeah, we actually why, recorded why waste it. a full moon, I think, yeah, is, why, is why his exact quote. <laughs> so I think we recorded it like two, three in the morning. Shane Pretty. There's Brian Potvin and Don Schmidt of the Northern Pikes on Behind the Vinyl. I'm Stu Jeffries. Michael Sadler of Saga joins this episode with a seriously cool story of how the producer for the song Wind Him Up woke him up one morning while he was lying in bed to sing a key part of the song. Close enough. Wind him up. Worlds apart. How many decades ago was that? Uh, Farmyard Studios, Little Chow Font, England. First time working with Rupert Hine and Stephen Taylor, the engineer. Two guys that, uh, they were, it was like a psychic thing watching them work together. I remember being in the studio one day and just sitting back on the couch and, and watching the two of them sit at the board and 
they were listening to something, I can't remember what it was, and they, 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 the playback finished, and Rupert was just leaning, they were both leaning on the console, and Rupert just kind of glanced over at Steve. They didn't say a word, they just kind of looked at each other, and Steve leaned forward and adjusted something, and they played it again. Rupert just looked at him, just kind of nodded, and I said, what, I what's going on here? Uh, they just, they had worked so much together that they, they just knew, uh, each of them knew what each other was thinking, and they were hearing the same thing at the same time, but... Uh, uh, they were real uh, perfectionists, but uh, really thinking out of the box with certain things. I mean, a great example of that was in Wind Em Up. Um, the quiet section, when it all breaks down in the middle, uh, the vocal is supposed to be really relaxed and really quiet, and it's an octave lower, and they wanted a kind of smoky, kind of uh, gritty kind of voice. I was singing it too cleanly. Uh, so we tried it a few times the, the night before, and, and we just didn't quite get it, and Rupert said, you know, we'll, we'll leave that for now, we'll try it again tomorrow. And uh, it's about 8 o'clock in the morning, I think, 8.30 in the morning, and the accommodations were the old, um, I mean, it was an old, uh, the, the studio itself was a, the old barn of the farm, because uh, you've got a great live room because of that. The accommodation were the old stables, so you had to walk across the, the big parking lot area, and I was dead asleep, 8, 8.30 in the morning, and I hear somebody walk into my room, and, and I'm barely awake, and I kind of open my eyes a little bit, and in comes the, the, the engineer, the tape off, and he's got a, a, a boom, and the microphone attached, and headphones, and he walks over, he slips the headphones on me, sets up the mic, I, I'm just still laying there, and he puts the mic right in front of my face. I got the headphones on, he closes the door, and I hear either Rupert or Steve on the other end of the headphones saying, Morning, Michael. You know the you know the song. You go full while lead in. Just sing along. I'm like, uh, uh. and they started the middle section of, of Wind Him Up, and the part came, and I just kind of went, Wind Him Up, he can. One take. Uh, the tape out came walking back in the room, took off the headphones, took the microphone away, and off he went, closed the door, and I was laying there going what just happened and put my house coat on went over to the studio it's like good morning and I'm like they're full full at it at 8 8 15 in the morning I said uh, I said what just happened he said well you remember we were trying to get that kind of effect I said he said uh, listen to this and he played it back and I went oh my god because I wasn't thinking about it and I, they just wanted that kind of very relaxed don't, don't even think about the melody just kind of sing it off as if you're just thinking it so I mean they were loaded with those kind of ideas it was just uh that kind of an album. But, uh, I remember writing this record in uh, Maidenhead, this little town that we all lived in the same house, and uh, put this whole album together, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And I think uh, the success of the album, the, the, the strength of the songwriting, came from uh, the, idea, the fact that we were all working together every day. We'd get up in the morning, have breakfast, and go straight at it, and just, just the, the change of environment. We've done the first three albums in Toronto with Paul Gross at Phase One. And I think the change of environment, the change of, of producer, um, just just shaking things up a bit was, was a great influence in, in opening our minds to a different kind of writing. Um, consequently, it became one of our best-selling records. So. I, one of my favorites, actually. Saga Wind Em Up with Michael Sadler on Behind the Vinyl. I'm Stu Jefferies, and what a thrill to have Lou Graham grace our series. The man, the voice, the legend. Here, Lou explains the process involved with making one of his biggest solo hits, Midnight Blue.
I remember uh, stumbling upon the the intro chords to this song. I'm I'm not a guitar player, believe me. I I, uh, I, I don't know my way around the instrument, but I was able to to find these particular chords and find that rhythm, and, and, it, and it sounded real good to me. And uh, I, I put that down on top of a, a drum beat that I was playing. Uh, and and uh, so so I had the the chords and the drum beat and I, and I just kept playing that over and over again and and uh, the 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 thing that sounded good with it was was this this kind of half talking half singing that that I was doing in in the verse I ain't got no regrets ain't losing track of I, I was singing but I was excuse me I was kind of talking it too and. Uh, it was almost uh, Dylan-esque, uh, and and uh, it, it it just sounded like a like telling a story, and and then and then uh, partway through that verse, then then it 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 became all singing, and uh, and the story continued, and and uh, uh, it, it 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 ended up going into the to the chorus of Midnight Blue. Uh, I remember what my father said. He said, "Son, life is simple. It's either cherry red or it's midnight blue," and and that that powered us into the chorus of the song. And uh, it, it was um, it, it's it's a simple song, but it but it's 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 very infectious. And uh, the chords and the and the repetitive beat and and uh, the instrumentation. It, it's it's it, it's the kind of song that you could hear over and over again and and, and not get tired of it and uh, and um, recording it was a lot of fun and and playing it was just just really fun uh, we we you know got a lot of airplay on the radio for that song it, it, in 1987 it was the number one played song in the country and um, it did climb the charts. I think it got up to number five, and uh, we we really did enjoy playing it live. Uh, it always got great response, and and uh, you know I I consider uh, I consider that uh, to be one of, one of the better songs I've ever written. That's Lou Graham with Midnight Blue on Behind the Vinyl. Thanks for listening. I'm Stu Jeffries with a reminder to subscribe to Behind the Vinyl and check out some of our previous episodes if you enjoy finding out how some of your favorite songs come together. See you next time. This has been Behind the Vinyl, the podcast, hosted by Stu Jeffries. Audio production courtesy of Doug Morehouse, Derek Walsman, and Troy McCallum. Thanks for listening.